Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing okay. Recently returned from holiday. Was abroad in Italy for a week. Holiday Peter, all tanned. Exactly, Buff. Yeah. <laughs> well, one out of two ain't bad. <laughs> and I came. I, I think I picked up a bug on the plane on the way back. So if if I have to mute myself to cough, I will do. Okay. So but any awkward good. pauses that you hear in this episode, listener, purely, is purely medical. Is coughing. Nature. It's definitely not the uh, chemistry between your two hosts. <laughs> Dying. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Maybe that maybe that's had a bug all along. Who knows, you know? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. I I thought about what a strange life I lead that it's beautiful sunshine outside. It's nearly the longest day of the year, and I've just dashed home to rush up into my scorching hot attic, close all of the windows, close <laughs> all of the blinds <laughs> to sit looking at a audio waveform on my computer and record about Arkhamara the card game. What a world, eh? What's that? Is it Saturday, the longest day? No, 21st of June is the longest day. It was yesterday. So it's not nearly? Yeah, it is nearly because it was yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, like, she, from my point of view, it's as far away from... Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, this is like the locations in... To bring it back to Arkham, the locations <laughs> Farthest. In, Farthest from. <laughs> Given that we're at the farthest from the longest day of the year. But yeah. of course, it's not like... It's, yeah, I guess so. It's not that the 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 day doesn't like just increase incre- incrementally in terms of daylight hours and then reset to barely any, does it? It's it swells and then it it, it yeah, ebbs the, and flows, right? It waxes and wanes. The days of so getting, we're, getting shorter. That's that's the yeah. it's incrementally decreasing now. Mm. That's the measure. Which, well, the day is getting as longer close or as it can be to being the longest in day length, but in time it takes to be the next longest we're the farthest yeah. away yeah what a wild what a wild time we live in yeah wow this content as well solid gold incredible yeah uh what are we talking about today frank we're doing another one of those arkham favorites drawn to the flame favorites it's another investigator specific episode <sighs> because really exciting there are about a thousand investigators and we've yeah. got to get through them all yeah, we do yeah we're not allowed <laughs> to stop the podcast that and then all day. of the scenarios <laughs> yeah <laughs> No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so who are we talking about today? We're talking about everyone's favourite spy, Trish Scarborough. Wow. Can't be that good of a spy if she's everyone's <laughs> favourite, right? Yeah, the most well-known spy, globally <laughs> renowned spy. <laughs> yeah. Now, my nephew plays rugby and went on rugby tour for the under-14s to Scarborough in the north of England. And for some reason, the parents on that tour referred, referred to it as Scarbados. <laughs> like, I mean, it has a beach, but yeah. I don't know if I think that's where the resemblance to Barbados ends. Anyway, whenever I see the word Scarborough, I think Scarbados. So if anyone wants to come up with a Trish Scarbados deck, I'd be very yeah. happy seeing that. There's also a, in the, in the Netrunner community, of which I was a part, hmm. there was a, <laughs> there was a, a runner later on in the official game cycle called I can't you you know what this is such an established joke I can't actually remember his real name I think it's Steve Cambridge mm. and it became a joke to think up a standard British man's name and add 
a standard British city as, okay, his, as yeah. the surname. So you'd have like kind of Fred Oxford or William Newcastle. George Bristol. Yeah. Trish Scarborough. <laughs> there we go. She yeah. fits the mould. Does, indeed. Right, do you want to read us out, Trish? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we've got Trish Scarborough, the spy. She has two willpower, four intellect, two combat, and four agility. A classic 4422 formation we've got going. She has the agency mm-hmm. and detective traits, and then a reaction. It adds her ability, she's got a reaction. After you discover one or more clues at a location with an enemy, either discover one additional clue at that location, or automatically evade that enemy. Limit once per round. And then her mm-hmm. Elder Sign effect is plus two. If this is an investigation, you may choose any revealed location. You are now investigating as if you were at that location instead. And she has eight health and six sanity. Sorry, I pause there because it looks like the bottom icon for the set is cut off on my card. But I don't oh. just how that's how they're, they're printed. Now, the last investigative specific episode we did, I think we talked about the front of the card for like a gazillion years before we even <laughs> flipped it over. Do you, yeah. Should we should we try and get back to the structure that we used to do, which is flip the card over, read the back as well, and then yeah. go into thoughts? She's, she's not got a very complicated back, so let's do that. Deck size of 30, deck building options, rogue card 0 to 5, seeker card 0 to 2, and neutral cards 0 to 5 and deck building requirements in the shadows, shadow agents, and one random basic weakness. Pretty standard stuff. Pretty standard stuff. I've got to say, Trish's ability, while I understand it when I read it, in terms of thinking it does something other than what it says it does, I think Trish ranks... It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't count the number of times I've been like, oh, you've evaded the enemy. That means you get a clue, right? And then the Trish player has to look mm-hmm. at me sadly and say, no, it's not what it yeah. means, Peter. Read the card. It's like, anyway, the conflict between investigate and discover a clue, one can lead to the other, but the other doesn't necessarily require the former. Yes. And then there's also the evasion, just to throw that into the mix to make it confusing. And exactly, there's just all... It's like the opposite of grokking an ability. It's like a very yeah, difficult un-grok. ability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a-grockable. You know, it's just it's very hard <laughs> to hold in your head as an ability. And I don't know why that is, because it's not that complex. You're discovering yeah. a clue at a location with an enemy. You then can either get an extra clue, so two clues for your investigate or your card that's got you a clue, or an evade, so clue and evade. Yes. Given that we both definitely understand the ability and wouldn't get ever play it wrong, yes. how good or bad is it? How strong is it? I think it's good. I think it's really good. Mm. If you strip away the kind of restrictions on it, once mm-hmm. a turn, once a round, you get a, you get a free clue when you investigate. That's basically what Rex does, right? Yeah. With, yeah. With it's what you're text. looking for on any seeker, really. Yeah. How do I get an extra clue a turn? Yeah, exactly. That's good. But then there's also the increased flexibility of you can use it to evade the enemy as well. Mm. So mm. It, that's really, really good. Of course, the restriction is that you need an enemy around. So yes. you're going to be looking at ways of keeping enemies at your location, moving to where there's enemies, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's 
such a weird thing in a way, like we're far enough into the game that we can reflect on this, but one of rogues, the like the class identity is that they might want enemies around with that they can steal from, mess with, generally profit from. Their attitude to enemies is not simply cut them down, although they can do a fair amount of that as well. But it it's taken the game quite a long time to really flesh out that side of the class. Yeah. And it's quite a shame in a way that Trish came out in Innsmouth, which is one of the campaigns that is the least evasion friendly because of all the <laughs> deep engage. one engage effects. Yeah. 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 But yeah, totally. Like Trish being discovered now with the tools we have for maybe like sort of permanently evading an enemy and being happy to dance around one for turn after turn after turn. It's really good. And this also doesn't care about the type of enemy or if the enemy is in, engaged with you. So in multiplayer, Trish gets a clue and evades an enemy engaged with anyone else at the location or yeah. evades a massive enemy, as long as she hasn't minded taking a hit to get a clue if she's investigated spending an action, or evades an aloof enemy. Maybe there's an aloof enemy that no one wants to engage and deal with, but it does something if it's ready. You know, that sort of thing, just like, okay, I'll, I'll shut that down. I'm actually thinking of... um. Yeah, in War of the Outer Gods, you've got the aloof cultists who are all rushing to war with each other. Yeah. And war doesn't trigger if they're exhausted. So do you want to spend an action to engage, an action to evade? It's very time intensive. Trish can deal with that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And then, like you say, I think your starting point is a really good one. You've just got a multi-clue ability printed on your card. If you're playing in four-player, you want people who can get multiple clues efficiently. And that's fantastic then. Trish can be kind of like in the pocket of a fighter and just be getting clue after clue after clue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really happily. Stat line. We used to be quite big fans of the, the two fours, two twos stat line. Yeah. I yeah. would say I've cooled on it a bit, generally it's speaking. Having the four as the main stat is is a bit tougher you're not going to be smashing investigate tests mm. with a four intellect as easily as someone with a five intellect. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that said, in Trish, with that, well, both with the rogue pool access and the seeker pool access, getting clues via methods that aren't investigating, it, it's it's not too difficult. Mm-hmm. And of course, with high intellect and high agility, Lockpicks becomes a really, really easy pick for her. Yes, yeah. To be tested yeah, at eight. Lola Santiago make it test at ten. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> buy buy clues as well for free. And actually, th- those buy a clue cards just fit so beautifully in Trish mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. you know if there's an enemy or location, working a hunch is find two clues or find the clue and evade the enemy for no actions. Yeah, you've already got compression built into the card. But then doing that actionlessly is just silly strong straight away. Yeah. At the point at which she came out, we've talked about that sometimes in solo you get stuck in this evade an enemy, investigate a location, move on. And she has this weird thing where you can investigate a location to evade the enemy and then move on. And if you can do that in a way where you don't get hit by the enemy first, that's just fantastic. So she sort of does, she turns the order on its head in a way, but it's still worthwhile. You know, there's still efficiency baked into that, I suppose. Yeah, I had another thought as I said that, which is also you can evade an enemy and then the enemy doesn't need to be ready to trigger Trish's ability. So if you've just got an exhausted enemy around, 
it's a two clue <laughs> enabler and yeah. i know that there are some more absurd plays out there with handcuffs and having like a pocket enemy for trish that she drags around and means she basically has this two clue ability on the whole time oh, yeah 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 that's wild elder sign effect what is going on with that yeah it's an interesting one i've seen it come off because she does tend to do quite a lot of investigations mm. and yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's nice occasionally it pops off and it gets you a, like a clue off some remote location like we're talking six shroud at that point aren't we even if you've got yeah. no other boosts mm, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's not that many locations which are higher than six shroud yeah it's only kind of weird locations they normally don't have clues yeah so yeah uh find a clue you've left somewhere on the board but then have you taken many other cards which are Taking advantages of clues scattered around the place. Mm-hmm. You, your ability does trigger at the location, right? Because it's and, and no matter how you how you find the clue at a location, your ability will all, always trigger at the location you've got the clue from, won't it? Yes, yeah. So that means if you can do clues at range with things like seeking answers or intel report, if you're willing to pay, you can do some really tricksy things of where you target a location with an enemy where you have no intention of going there and yeah. just scoop the clues out from under their or nose. Or evade the enemy. Or evade the enemy so that other people can go marching through or whatever it is. Oh. We talked about that when Damning Testimony got announced by us as well because Damning Testimony gives you a way of enabling Trish to do that repeatedly because you can pick a location with an enemy and start getting clues there, which is really cool. I remember the other thing I wanted to say about the stat line She's a rogue where there are there are a couple of other rogues that have very similar stat lines. So you've got Finn, who has one point less in willpower and one point more in combat. And then you've got Skids, who has one point less in intellect and one point more in combat. And the three of them are a kind of curious trio when we're talking about things like rogues who handle enemies or rogues who get clues. And I think, you know, in a way, it's a shame that Skids came out first, because I think if Trish had come out first, we would have thought about rogues in a very different way. She's obviously being really lent in the direction of get clues, but I feel like she and Finn compete for this role of I get clues, but I also evade. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah they bring sort of different things to the party in that regard. I think that the, the, it, she pairs very well with someone who can be both a dedicated enemy killer... And an, a kind of an enemy finder as well. Yeah. So yeah. We, we played through Scarlet Keys with Trish and Roland. Mm. Roland able to take on the hunt, and also wanting to kill enemies. So you know, an enemy could, we could we could fetch a deck an enemy from the deck more or less automatically. Mm. Trish then you know finds a couple of clues based on on an investigate, and then Roland kills the enemy to find another clue. Yeah. It was a really nice kind of clockwork team there. But I think, like, even when I've played with her on the table in four-player teams, pairing her with kind of someone who can gloop enemies and they mm. can kind of form a subunit by themselves mm. and, and mm. go off and start, and start, you know, operating autonomously. Yeah, yeah. basically, I, I completely agree. She's got this clue acceleration or this action compression or however you want to term it through the ability, which means that 
she can take on that role of like, yeah, I'll get lots of clues. Given her access as well, her card access, she could be running a fingerprint kit and deductions and be doing the kind of classic seeker. I'm going to get clues using my intellect and investigating. And then she just wants an enemy around to turbocharge that, which is great. Well, shall we look at her signatures or is there anything else you'd like to say? Let, no, let's go on to the six. Yeah, we can always jump mm. back if we need to. We can, yeah. Uh, okay, so we've got a zero-cost event in the shadows. This has two agility icons and two wild icons, and it is a tactic. So Mark could take it. Oh, hang on, no. Trish Garber deck only, so Mark can't take it. Damn. Oh. Fast. Play after your turn begins. Disengage from each enemy engaged with you. Until the end of the round, enemies cannot engage you, and you cannot deal damage to enemies. Now, Frank, I've got a question for you. Have you ever Are you going played... to ask me when <laughs> after you ever your played turn begins this? is? No, I'm yeah. not. Have you ever played this for the ability on it? I think once. Like some total of times once. And it's, it was it's, solo. It's yeah. an interesting mix of very niche ability and very, very generous icons. Very attractive <laughs> to commit to a test, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. Like, mm. you can say this card is bad because its effect is too niche, but like what more do you want strapped to a really niche card than a very generous set of icons? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When we look at the signature weakness, we'll see a very immediate use for this card, and it's mm-hmm. not using it for its ability. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was thinking the the timing point play after your turn begins is a very specific timing point, but I was reminded of that Team Covenant if you've taken bananas. four damage, have you taken three damage? <laughs> and it's like, if your turn has begun, are you allowed to play this? Is this is the after point any time after? But of course it's not. It's after a specific point, which is your turn begins. Yes. Let's not get into that. Yeah, let's not. It's it's not dissimilar from On the Lamb, right? What's it's my not, memory no. of how On the Lamb works is that you can't... You don't receive damage from attacks or attacks of opportunity or something. Yeah, it, it's sort of the inverse. The really good on the land play is have all the enemies on you, go running off, and then yeah. play something like elusive, elusive and dump them all. Yes, and leave them behind. And again, it illustrates the the way that Skids and Trish fit the same area of the game, but do it differently. He's the guardian, so he has a turn where he doesn't take hits. She's the seeker slash more evasive character, although they both have four agility. So she disappears into the shadows and yeah so she she just doesn't get dealt with which is great and there's some that like nice niche uses for this where you know for instance if you know a load of enemies are going to hunt in on you and you just don't want them to engage you that turn you can sort of i suppose um skip an enemy phase you'll still need to evade them the following turn but sometimes you just need that of like okay if i stay put at this location i can get all the clues but I am going to have two enemies turn up here at the end of the you're know, in in the enemy phase. That sort of thing sometimes comes up. It's just that there are normally more efficient ways of dealing with that mm. than spending this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if I think of Trish as particularly strong solo because she has this as her card. Like it's a nice, like elusive, get out of jail card. But the icons are the thing I actually really like in solo. And if you see this card, it's like, okay, sometimes in solo, you just need to smash smash a test that you shouldn't be able to smash. Yeah. And yeah. plus two to anything or plus four agility is really nice. 
Anyway, should we look at her weakness? I was going to say, yeah, I don't think there's that much more to say about In the Shadows. So yeah, take us away. Take, take, take us away. Take it away. In the Shadows, you might find Shadow Agents. This is her weakness. It is an enemy weakness. Three fight, three health, five evade. Humanoid and cultist traded. It preys on Trish Scarborough only. Hunter, while Shadow Agents is engaged with you, you cannot discover clues except by investigating. Forced, after Shadow Agents is evaded, discard it. Hits two damage. And it's two lads. Well, a lad and a lass. And uh, it looks like there's some kind of summoning circle in the background. Is that not above her hand? Oh, she like conjuring a yeah. magic spell. Maybe it's that. I think yeah. so. This is such a brutal stat line for an. That or she's doing one of those photos. You know where you stand in front of like other like a ring leaning tower of Pisa and make it look like you're holding it up with your finger. Do you think she's doing that? (laughs) Could be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't think this is a photo though. I think this is a drawing. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you look, actually, if you look in the bottom, it tells you who drew it. Okay. Yeah. Photographed by Borja Pindado. Sorry, you said this is a brutal stat line. I think this is a brutal stat line for an enemy weakness. Mm-hmm. Five in any stat on an enemy weakness is, is nasty. What's yeah, the seriously nasty. five two five? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, two... That's obscene. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But again, like that, it's got a different way of avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Which is that <laughs> as, as, as soon as you evade it, it's gone. And you, you can still use her ability to evade it. Mm-hmm. You can find a clue at your location. Yeah. As long as you but actually all investigate. Of those <laughs> delicious <laughs> tricks that we've just been talking about get turned off. Yeah. yeah. And you might be taking a tax opportunity as well. Mm. I think given that her health pool is eight, one way of playing Trish is to consider her health pool as six and to accept that if you draw shadow agents, you're going to be taking a single attack of opportunity to get a clue and using your reaction ability to clear the Shadow Agents. I think that is fine. Yeah. It does add an extra wrinkle, like with playing Finn, actually, and worrying about being caught out by his weakness, where you need to be really on your toes about positioning when you're going to draw cards, because what you can't really afford to do is draw this when there's no clue to get. Yeah. Because, yeah, you need to, for Trisha's ability, you need to discover a clue. You don't just need to take an investigate action. Yes, yes. Or you need to smash an evade test, which isn't out mm-hmm. of the question either when you've got the shadows in your hand. Yeah, that's the other way of handling shadow agents, which I think is legit, is commit in the shadows and you're three up on this test without any other boosts and do a single test and this is gone. That, the the other thing is, is absolutely if, fine. if you pack your deck with some kind of auto-evade effects. She does have an auto-evade on her, so if someone engages mm-hmm. Shadow Agents, you then find a clue. Mm-hmm. By whatever means at that point, because Shadow Agents is no longer engaged with you, you can use yep. auto-evade to evade the Shadow Agents. Absolutely. Yeah. Does breaking and entering... I mean, I'm sure we can talk about breaking and entering more. Breaking and entering. I'm really glad you said that, because yeah. as you said that, I was looking up the card. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I didn't get my cards out. I said this to Frank earlier, but while, while Frank's looking this up, I'll fill. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, you found it already. Okay, then yeah. there's no need to fill. My fill has finished. Fill what is, finished. What is, what, is, yeah. what is breaking and entering do? So breaking and entering is a two-cost rogue event. It's trick-traded, and it reads, investigate, 
add your agility to your skill value for this investigation. If you succeed by two or more, you may automatically evade an enemy at this location. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Boom. What more do you want? Breaking and entering is anyway, I think, a card that I would probably consider up there as a Trish signature. Yes. It kind of does what Trish's ability does-ish, but with an extra wrinkle as well. So what you could do with Shadow Agents is play Breaking and Entering. You're then investigating at an 8 base. If you succeed by 2 or more, you auto-evade the Shadow Agents, getting rid of them. And if you succeed and they're there, you can trigger Trish's ability. And that means you could get two clues if there were two clues there. But you've yeah. also got the sort of the backup of Trish's ability if you don't succeed by two or more. <laughs> so you yeah. can, you've got like yeah. two different evades. And it doesn't trigger, uh, doesn't provoke a tax opportunity, which also is glorious because that means what I just said about preparing yourself to take two damage you can ignore and you're taking a normal investigate. Breaking and entering also after. Use. Breaking entry is if you succeed by two or more, you may automatically evade an enemy at this location. Can you... And so the order is, uh, if I'm correct, and I'm pretty sure I am on this, at step seven, you resolve <laughs> all the successes of the test. Yeah. And so you've got to choose at that point, do you want to resolve the successful evade of breaking and entering or do you want to discover a clue first? Right. If you discover the clue first, you can then do Trish's reaction to that. Right. And got then you, trigger the breaking and entering evade. Or you can do the breaking and entering evade first, I believe. Good. Nice to step to that in slow motion. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, as you say, that's like a great a great card a in Trish. Massive anyway. FAQ on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's right. Pretty sure it is. Yeah. But what if there's a concealed card? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> the, the, the the FAQ on breaking and entering is all about concealed cards, and, and let's not even go there. Yeah. And we did do that because we played through Scarlet Keys. Yeah, well, we found that, as I, uh, I mentioned earlier, we, we played through with Trish and Roland in, in a team, mm-hmm. and it, that was a great yeah. team for dealing with Concealed. Yes, yeah, it really was. You've got two investigators there with extra abilities, either one is a Discover Clue ability and one is Evade an Enemy ability, mm. but we discovered that the Trish ability doesn't do what we hope it does, but you've packed your deck with cards that help you evade things, which does help. Yeah. And then yeah. the Roland ability obviously does help you expose more cards, more blips. So yeah, it was a, a really nice team. Also, Roland Amnesty for this episode. Like, no Roland gags. Roland exists. <laughs> so far. Yeah, so far. Stop trying to eradicate Roland. There's another card, because we started talking about good cards in her, that yeah. is probably worth mentioning at Shadow Agents, which... I don't see too much chat about in Trish, but I think it's a really nice fit, which is Obfuscation. Yeah, I knew you were going to say this. You love that card. (laughs) I really do. It's a really like like, it's it's a card I forget about all the time, and then you will just we'll be in a pickle, and there'll be some enemies around, and you say, "Aha!" Windmill slam Obfuscation onto the table. Suddenly, no more problems. I'm going to say something without really having engaged my brain with this, yeah, but bro, bear with I me. I can't wait for this. Best I card in the game. I would consider Obfuscation an aggro card. Interesting. Like, I think of it as a very aggressive style to play with. You have it sitting in your hand and then you're like, okay, the board is getting heavy. We could do some board lockdown and do, you know, this, that and the other. But the Trish way through it is like, no, we're going to pop down Obfuscation. It's a two-cost fast card, so nothing happens in that. And then you've got three Attack of Opportunity cancels. It doesn't exhaust, so you can use them all at once. 
and it goes in the arcane slot, so you're probably not going to have problems with that slot. And yeah, I feel like you just down it goes and just push through. And I've used it to like pop it down and just move a couple of locations to end the scenario. I've used it to pop it down and investigate to get rid of shadow agents. And it just allows Trish to reposition or power through or like whatever you need to do. As I said earlier, you might end up in that awkward situation where you've drawn an enemy, but you don't want to investigate where you are. Or you want to be at a location with an enemy, but you don't want to get hit by them to trigger her ability. And obfuscation feels like it just kind of smooths that out. And you can just push to do what she's good at doing more aggressively. Anyway, send all your angry emails about me no, misusing I, the term I, aggro. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great call as a, as a Trish card. I really do. I guess it's this. It's it's similar to the idea of shortcuts in a fighter. If you can take it, it's like how what are the ways that you maneuver around enemies to to allow you to do what you need to do. And when we were last recording, we were on a very big Earthborn Rangers hit. And we were talking a little bit sort of around that episode and on that episode about the idea that in Arkham, if you can't handle an encounter card in in your face, it's probably going to punish you pretty directly, pretty squarely, and nothing more so than enemies. If you can't manoeuvre around an enemy, you're just sort of pulped. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Trish is meant to be slippery, meant to be this spy who can disappear off into the shadows and finding ways of allowing her to do that. There's also, it's very, there are now more cancels in, in particular like enemy attack cancels in Rogue, but Narrow Escape for a long time I was a big fan of for the same reason. You get that single cancel of an attack of opportunity which allows you to then reposition or set up doing the next thing more successfully. So it's a style of play I really enjoy. Yeah. What about yeah. for you, cards cards and Trish that you like, that you're a fan of? Well, I think we've mentioned a few of them. The the, the obvious picks are the, the kind of lock picks. I think Lola's good. Things that buy clues, mm-hmm. I think, are great picks in her, just for the flexibility to trigger that. And and when you haven't got the the stat necessarily to be investigating at those high values, cards which buy clues, I think, are really good. Mm. But I'm not sure apart from that. I mean... The, the main memories of me playing alongside you as Trish is seeing you slap that obfuscation obf, down. Yeah. You're like, way. Ob, obfuscation. Yeah. There we go. Mm. Well done. Thank you. But also, I think I, th- I think the other thing you can do is the additional triggers for avoiding enemies, mm. evading enemies, mm. because you will almost certainly be doing evading of some sort. Mm-hmm. So pickpockets always nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do wonder whether there's a space for one of my my favourite cards that I've never made work. <laughs> stealth. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make a stealth uh, a stealth skids deck a while ago. Because mm-hmm. ste- stealth is an evade, isn't it? It is an evade itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that can trigger pickpocketing, even if you don't yes. exhaust the enemy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you get a massive stat bonus, especially... And it's a free action with the upgraded stealth as well. You get, That's right, yeah. It's not even a stat bonus, it's a difficulty reduction. Yeah, minus two difficulty. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a there's a Trish build using stealth. I mean, that's a good point, because you always... The question with stealth is, what's the payoff? Because you're not evading the enemy, you're just disengaging from it, and it sort yeah. of sticks around. 
Yeah. And the payoff in Trish might be, one, I have loads of rewards for evading enemies. Two, I want enemies around me to get more clues, but I don't necessarily want to spend my actions evading them. And yeah, stealth level three, getting a free action to just kind of give yourself that bit of distance to get lots of clues and then disappear off. I like that. Yeah. The other way I find myself often going with her is that she has access to Seeker and Rogue, so she can draw really heavily if she wants to. Even if you just upgrade manual dexterity and perception in her, that's great. But then if you're adding in pickpocketing lucky cigarette case as well, like she has a potential for hitting really high thresholds on tests with lockpicks or with committing cards and then just drawing hordes of cards. I remember seeing a few people posting what were labelled as kind of broken Trish decks early when she was out because with things like practice makes perfect, you can then be searching your deck for lots of practiced skills like perception and deduction and replaying them repeatedly. She could run segment of onyx as well so you can be looping that before that was tabooed not to do that you could basically make her be this really fast i draw aggressively through my own deck not by playing events that draw me cards but just through high stats i've run all in in her as well for this exact same reason of like okay smash a lockpicks test draw five cards i've got loads of then fast clues that can evade enemies or lots of things like free events that get me to reposition and whatever else it is and on I go with my day so that that's kind of a cool style as well it's it's hard to think of it now but do you remember well we've still not seen the other side of her deck building restrictions but do you remember the the like trepidation some people felt about if there was ever going to be a 5-2 seeker rogue or rogue seeker and do you remember when Ursula came out Forgotten Age it was like well they couldn't make Ursula be off-class rogue because that would be too strong so i think the taboo list would suggest that maybe maybe the power levels were out of sync for some of those cards anyway but trish is pretty much the closest we have to that isn't she yeah so yeah you can expect a certain degree of um beast mode i suppose yeah yeah other thing that's um, breathed a lot of life into rogues recently is underworld market and that's uh, the other yeah. thing I was playing with in our campaign. Yes, of course so, it was. Yes, because Thieves' Kit is also yeah, a potential yeah. look-in. Look um, get a look-in in Trish. So into the market went Disguise. Boosts for oh, evades. Disguise, of course. That's a great <laughs> Thieves' card. Kit. Make yeah. money for getting card, uh, for investigating. Pickpocketing level two. Evade enemies. Get money or cards. I put in two embezzled treasure because I was rich, 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 and why not carry that on? And then also lockpicks in there. That was my suite of 10 cards in the market. in in your main deck as well, didn't you? I started with with Milan, yeah, yeah. And I then upgraded into Stylish Coat as well. So I would (laughs) investigate with Thieves' Kit, succeed by a lot, which, of course, because you're a rogue. So you get two resources for that, a resource from Dr. Milan and a resource from Stylish Coat. So that's four resources for just doing what she always does. Yeah. Maybe an extra clue as well because you'd have an enemy on you. Or maybe evade an enemy and get a couple of cards from two pickpocketings. Maybe I'm running Lucky... I was running Lucky Cigarette Case, so maybe draw a card from that as well. It's just wonderful times. Really fun. When you're getting four resources for a single investigate, the, the tax on the market deck is just 
nothing really. It's really laughable. I really like disguising that deck as well because one of the ways that we were exposing blips was just either Roland was just punching or Trish was trying to evade and having just a nice baked in plus two boost was really helpful for when you just needed to, to not do it through tricks, just get some evades out. So that yeah. was yeah, that was a nice include as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a disguise is a really nice little card. I have seen people talk about wanting to do like rogue guns and illicit weapons and things in Trish, but I feel like I've always ended up in the place of like, well, why not do it in Finn or Skids? Their stat lines are so similar and the cards they have access to just seem to support that more. Not not so yeah. much in the case of Finn, maybe, maybe at least with, you know, hunting for illicit cards, but yeah. definitely in the case of, of Skids. So what would you use like, I don't know, Sharpshooter to make all yeah. we- weapons that have the stat replacement on them? Yeah, and is Sharpshooter enough of a trade to go from two combat to four agility? I, like I, I feel like I almost want Sharpshooter to give me more than that. It's funny that I haven't played a lot of Sharpshooter. You know, there's, I don't know if there's any, there's no two combat five agility rogue who can take Sharpshooter any. Oh, there is now, Kaimani. But mm. before Kaimani, there wasn't. I'm just going to look at our investigator questions. We sort of talked about deck stance archetypes, haven't we? Yes. Yeah. Piloting tips? Um, find enemies and find clues? I don't know. F- find someone Read who your can... ability a few times over. Yeah. <laughs> find yeah. someone who can actually deal with the enemies. Yeah, and actually we've touched quite a lot on how Trish play- plays compared to others in her faction. I feel like her role often ends up in kind of clue getter slash enemy manager hybrid. Yes. Normally I would say leaning more towards clues. Clue getting, yes, yes. And then I've like I can steadily look after myself if needs be. And I'd say in a party, like you say, she can be in a little duo with someone else and go off. But with that nice four agility, something we both like, isn't it? She can be quite self sufficient. If you just yeah. need someone to go off and deal with something you can so the do. Two willpower does make her vulnerable to the Mythos deck if she's totally isolated. Yes, yeah. I'm quite fond of a cheeky logical reasoning in Trish with six sanity and two willpower. It's kind of scary and being able to just pay a couple of resources and heal up again or have it to remove a nasty terror can be really useful, can be really clutch. Yeah, I totally agree. Logical reasoning is one of those cards when someone drops it. It's got, does it have two willpower icons even at level zero? That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just really nice. It's, I think this is like the perfect place for it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A red, a, like a slightly smaller health, um, sanity pool, you know, low willpower, so vulnerable to, to treacheries. Yeah. But also vulnerable to, to willpower tests. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad, a bad pick yeah. at all. Any comments to make about her solo, Frank? Oh, thanks for asking, Frank. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay. She's really good solo, I'd say. I'd put her up probably in top 10, if not top 5 solo. The caveat with that is that her ability can be blank for an entire scenario. Not because you won't draw enemies, but you might never draw enemies at a time when you're at location with clues. And that can be a bit awkward. And a bit of piloting around making sure you end your turn at locations with clues matters. Oh, that's the other card I wanted to mention. Kicking the Hornet's Nest. Oh, now, yeah, we... Yeah, yeah. We played through a campaign with Kicking the Hornet's Nest in Trish that we didn't end up using because we were drawing so many enemies. 
but it is a worthy in- include for Trish because what it does is it allows you for an action to search the top nine cards of the encounter deck for a non-elite enemy and spawn it engaged with you. Then discover one clue at your location and gain X resources where X is that enemy's health value. And that means it's a clue discover card in Trish. So that would mean you'd discover two clues or you would immediately evade an enemy at your location. So in Trish, yeah, you play this, get a clue, evade the enemy you drew and get resources equal to that enemy's health and go on with your day. That's really nice. And I think actually Keeking the Hornet's Nest is like a secret Trish solo enabler as well. Where if you're going to have a difficult location where you need to get multiple clues, this is a really nice way of of play this down, pull an enemy out, get two clues there, and then, you know, go on with your day, evade the enemy in another way. Yeah. But because she's getting multi-clue, broadly speaking, that means she drops in power a bit solo because multi-clue is less important. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like kicking the horn's nest almost becomes like you draw an encounter card, then you get two clues. I wonder whether there's Whoa. another card that does something like that. Ooh. I guess if you were to play on the hunt and then scene of the crime, it does that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two-card combo That's and guardian. That's the only way that effect can yeah, occur. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. All right, let's um, think about wrapping this up. Yeah. Any final thoughts, closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I, what I wanted to say was I think it's really nice when there's effects that... But we talked a lot about Earthborn Rangers after the expo a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we said was like the, the equivalent of encounter cards, path cards, are far less individually dangerous to you than they are in Arkham. Mm. And because the the kind of grit and the way they impact you is is fatigue, which has a cap of the size of your deck, it's a lot finer resolution in terms of it, it, it's much smaller incre- increments of damage to you yeah. that path cards do. Mm. So there is something in Arkham where a lot of cards that have like two actions to clear, th- they fall into quite a binary decision making process. So you're mm-hmm. like, well, this is bad. I'll get rid of it. It's too bad for me to hang on for the rest of the scenario with this in play. I'll get rid yeah. of it straight away. Or I can work around this pretty effectively. I'll I'll leave it. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. quite a... There's a narrow window where that... A narrower window. Not, not necessarily a narrow window, but a narrower window of where that's an interesting, interesting trade-off. Mm-hmm. Do I mm-hmm. think it's worth getting rid of this card now? Or is it worth suffering the effects based on what I've got to do for the rest of this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So anything which I think adds, or I think anything which adds additional kind of texture to that decision-making process, I think is, is a kind of, it's a positive card. It's, it's a more fun card to have in the game. Mm-hmm. So Trish mm-hmm. has got this like baked onto her card where having enemies around can be useful. So it's not like, mm. there's an enemy, let's kill it, okay? Yeah. We, we just got to get rid of that enemy. The enemy's got a doom on it. Let's kill it double fast. Suddenly mm. the Trish player is stepping in and saying, not so fast there, Roland. Actually, if you leave it there for a turn, I can find four clues. Yeah. At the cost yeah. of only having to evade it once before you come in and kill it. Mm. And then, of course, the next turn you both draw two more enemies. Oh, you both draw another enemy and then you're swarmed with three enemies all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Yeah, and then Ancient Evil's the following turn. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We joke about that, but that that 
is also an illustration of why people end up falling down on the binary of do I resolve this right now or do I resolve to not deal with it at all? Because mm-hmm. that narrow band or narrower band in the middle of can I tolerate this to be around or when's the right time to deal with it is fraught with the possibility to get it wrong and is also kind of freighted by the problems of hindsight of, ah, if only I had dealt with that immediately and taken a more direct approach, none of this issue would have happened. And it's a lot harder to remember that time of, you know what, we actually danced with that enemy for multiple turns and we got, we kind of extracted a lot of extra value out of that enemy as Trish. So it was worth the gamble. It's harder to, I think, weigh up that side of it than it is to weigh up the times it's gone wrong. In exactly the same way of like, I can remember a few times where I've gambled to stick around an extra term, knowing that if I draw Ancient Evils, I'll prematurely end a scenario to get that extra VP. And I failed. Yeah. And it's harder, I'd say, to remember the times where you played it safe. They're just, it's not as memorable. The lesson is, why did you gamble? Don't gamble. <laughs> I'd agree. I agree with you. The the main point I completely agree with. The more that there can be nuance inserted into that, the better. Yeah. As as best you can. I think it's one of the things we both liked about Concealed, right? It yeah. It widens yeah. the way you engage with the enemy. Yeah. And it it forces the assessment of how threatening the enemy back onto the player rather than this card in front of you being like, if you don't deal with me right now, I hit you for two damage and two horror. Which is a good thing. How about you? Anything else additional from you? I'm going to do a break with tradition and not try and squeeze in six extra points right at the end, which I often find I do. And then I listen back in the edit and I think, why did I try and add a load of random things? No, I think we've done really well in this episode. And yeah, I'd round it out by saying, want to hear from you, the listener. If you've got Trish ideas that we didn't mention, of course, we can't mention every single card. But if there are things in Trish that you love and you think, yeah, this this is one of the reasons why I enjoy playing Trish, let us know about it. We're on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. So you can email us. We're also drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter. We're on Designed by Humans if you want a Drawn to the Flame t-shirt. And we're on Patreon as Drawn to the Flame. If you become a patron, you can join our wonderful Discord. So please do. And thank you to all our patrons as well. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter for now. Mm, good point. Reddit and Discord. I managed to snag my actual username on Discord when they did their insane... Oh, nice. <laughs> You've all got to reapply for the same names because you made it far more complicated for some reason. So I'm still United on there. So well done. You, probably, you might be able to find me easier. And yes, Instagram is the.unitled. So yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter. That's EPH underscore B-E-E. And then I'm around the place as Zooey Glass and Zozo. Say hello as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Through the ravishing strains of the singers and the lutinists, as if in mocking demonic concord, throbbed from gulfs below the damnable, the detestable pounding of that hideous ocean. And as those black breakers beat their message into my ears, I forgot the words of Nicholas Cormier, and looked back, down upon the doomed scene from which I thought I had escaped. Handsome knights they were, astride rowan horses and clad in shining armour with tabards of cloth of gold, 
curiously emblazoned. So numerous were they that Daniel Barrett almost mistook them for an army, but their leader told him they were sent in his honour. When Lovecraft's doing, like, dream quest stuff, he's just... He's off on it, isn't he? Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild.